Hi, my name is Andrea Page and welcome to Hanging On For Hope. Hanging On For Hope is stories about everyday people aiming to overcome trauma, extreme grief and adverse life experiences. From motherhood and mental health to kids crisis, incarceration and the loss of loved ones, we hear from everyday people on what they're going through and how they get through it. We also hear from professionals and experts on how to build resilience, the science of trauma and grief and the search for meaningful answers to how Help people heal heal their lives. A trauma-informed podcast of healing and lives honored. Today's guest is Kate White. Kate White is an advanced body worker, perinatal educator, and a somatic trauma resolution therapy professional. She is a mother of two children, holds a, a BA and an MA in communication, a registered craniosacral therapist in the biodynamic craniosacral method, and a somatic experiencing practitioner. Her work combines somatic therapy, birth preparation, recovery from difficult birth, and somatic trauma resolution. She is the founding director of education for the Association for Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and helps administer an online program for parents and professionals who work with parents and runs a private practice and offers her own seminars through the Center for Prenatal and Perinatal Programs, ppncenter.com. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Thank so, you. <laughs> thank you. You're awesome. I'm so excited to be interviewing you. Um, like so many people who work in this field, I heard you say earlier, this is your life's work. It's my life's work as well. Um, maybe not for the same reason. Um, I just want to bring you to an interview that I just watched of yours where you said that every baby who is born wants to know these things. They want to know, and I'm going to be sorry if I cry, but it's so personal to me. You said that every baby wants to know I am wanted. Am I wanted? Am I welcome? Do I belong? Am I safe? Am I protected? While that just brought me to tears because I know that my oldest son, who is now 20, facing a six-year sentence in a federal institution, never got those things. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And as I have worked to heal in relationship to my son's adverse child experiences and the life and the path that it has brought him to, I have become, as also a woman who has worked with in motherhood, um, somebody who's been very invested in understanding the brain and healing and trauma. And I came across your work actually because of a girlfriend of mine who lost a son who went to a grief um, uh, support uh, seminar, uh, and you were recommended as the go-to person, <sighs> and uh, so you're very respected. And oh, that's thank you. Yeah, that is beautiful. That is beautiful to be highly thought of out there in the world. And you know, just before I came on, I was kind of chatting with somebody about uh, a young man in in my community who had um, committed a violent crime and. Everybody was punishment, 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 and no one's suggesting that consequences are not warranted when something happens. But anytime I see this, I think to myself, what's happened in his life? Mm -hmm. That's a good question to ask. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to talk to you about how adverse early childhood adverse experiences can impact a person's ability to kind of function in society. Okay, well, hmm, that's a really big question. It's a big question, I know. <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I would say that my experience is working with the earliest time. So we're working with the foundation. If you're looking at human beings as if they're a tree, we're working with the roots and the soil and how we prepare someone to come into form. And if they are not those things that you are reading, if they're not wanted or welcome or feeling heard or seen or felt, or that they feel like they belong or that they're lovable or that they feel safe or protected, that's just sort of the sort of the, the way we can prepare the soil and the roots for our human development. But it's not the goal, this is to find us our lifelong. But I can tell you that when we're tracking somebody's health, sometimes what a person is experiencing, it belongs to the ancestors, right? It belongs to the previous generation. It belongs to the parenting styles that come down the parenting line. It can be very impersonal. Also things happen. Uh, sometimes you're a baby in utero and your father is killed or, uh, you know, sometimes parents break up before the baby is born or there's some kind of um, like near death experience at birth uh, from mother or baby and baby is separated from mom and or baby has to be hospitalized or mom gets to be hospitalized. I mean, all these things are very impersonal. No one's fault. No one caused these things to happen, you know, so it's there's a way that these get in our bodies and they, they become a part of our worldview and our perception of ourselves and the world. And mm -hmm. we can, if the mom is living in stress and she's not well supported, then the baby feels that and his physiology or her physiology is prepared for that kind of a world. Um, the good news is it all can be corrected. It can be repaired. It can be healed, you know, so it's, it's, it just takes, a, it takes work. And, that's why I like to work with babies and families, because if I get them that early, I can really um, make change in a few sessions. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think, it, you know, it's interesting to me, the, the common kind of response, right? And one thing that I hear from people often is, well, I went through trauma and I didn't da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I understand why people say that because in many cases that person really did go through trauma and they see that they are not acting out and they are not struggling with behavior and self-regulation the way someone else may be. But I've come to learn that, you know, trauma is very specific, right? It's not just the trauma itself. It's when did it happen? The frequency, the timing, um, if you had somebody to hold space for you during the time, like a, a really um, healthy person to help you process it. And I think the other piece is, is that when things happen precognitively, babies and young infants are not processing this because they, they, don't, they don't have the tools. They are just kind of subject to the environment around them. And, you know, and in that, as a mother who also was fairly traumatized myself, I realize, right, that transgenerational piece, right? You, we are doing the best we can with what we have, um, that's, right? That's very, that's very true. Everything you said is true. You have a lot of wisdom on this already. Like, there are w developing windows of, you know, for the brain that we know are very important um, in childhood and in young adulthood um, and in the utero. Uh, and the first, like the, the precognitive states, like you say, it's the, if things happen there that, and the baby's not told or help makes sense, because that's a lot of our skills are around helping families and babies make sense of their overwhelming experiences. If nobody is there, then 
that pattern stays alive in the body. It's a somatic aspect, yeah. and then then it feeds the brain, and and it it depends. So there's a lot of it depends. You know, there's so for someone to say, well, I didn't, I experienced trauma, and I didn't, you know, fill in the blank. You know, I didn't hit, hurt someone. So that's just an unfair kind of assessment. Like everybody's experiences of trauma are different. They're very subjective. It's not in the event. It's in the nervous system of the person. And they may have inherited a predisposition also for anxiety or other conditions. Even in utero, there are now conditions they've been able to track neurodevelopmentally that set us up for ADHD, autism, and, you know, some other neurodevelopmental mental disorders that we're seeing increase in their in their how common they are and so we're working with the cultural cultural societal uh, problems that if we can really bring our our collective creative minds to this i know we can change our culture and we can change it for moms and babies and humanity and mm -hmm. i love that and knowing that i have very little of your time today i would like to fast forward knowing that probably a good portion of my audience mm -hmm is already the choir. <laughs> um, what are the, like, in terms of, uh -huh. yeah. okay. <laughs> I would like to focus on healing methods. So let's talk about the person mm -hmm. who, whose okay. trauma is manifesting in their nervous system and they are struggling with self-regulation, whether it be acting out or it be um, showing up in ADHD or um, maybe it is showing up in developmental delays, who knows, right? It's all, all these different ways that trauma shows up, right? What I, I am so fascinated about um, body work. Um, I see that Peter Levine is somebody that you follow and I've been reading his work over the years. Uh, I actually took my middle son to a craniosacral therapist. Ironically, out of all three of my children, he is the most calm. <laughs> Good. Uh, Somebody relieved his patterning that was wow. exacerbating. But yeah, so I combine, I use touch, but I also just use a facilitation that Peter Levine teaches in his seminars. And he's got some great advanced teachers that I study with also. And it's about understanding that person's response, help educating them about their bodies. And a lot of people come to me, they can't even feel their body. Um, they can feel a little bit. So you have to sort of cue them into the sensations, like feeling their sensations, understanding what the, those sensations mean. These are called states. And we have them recognize states when they speed up, when they slow down, when they can't feel, that could be a shutdown state. It's very common uh, for people to not feel because it's overwhelming to feel. And then they have adaptation sequences, like my previous mentor who's now passed away, John Chitty. He talked a lot about how we don't pathologize people. We just sort of recognize their states. And then when states are coupled, like their patterns, so we can have a pattern response to, to overwhelming events in our lives. So we help people understand their pattern response. They come to us for a reason. So we know we get their intention. Like an intention is really important. And we have, uh, you know, lots of little skills to help them begin to feel into their states. And then we start by building a coherent positive state, things that help them feel good. And we, and we just build that for a while. There, and I often will call that st stabilizing. Like when somebody is in trauma, if they're really acute, you just stabilize, stabilize, stabilize. There's no like 
There's no going deep into their history. They're just in the moment, in the now, what's, what's here. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we begin to, using sensation and verbal skills, we have them talk about the difficulty. We notice, we slow things way down and we just go back and this is called the pendulation, the moving energy. Often when people are in trauma, they have a fixed pattern that they come to see me about. It's a fixation. It's, 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 not, it's not moving. It's fixed. It's a problem. Can so you give me an example? Well, let's see. That's a good question. So I got a lot of people will come in saying, I just uh, get stuck a lot in this feeling. This getting stuck is very common. We call it a double bind. So you're caught in the feeling of I have to do something, um, but if I do something, it will hurt. But if I don't do something, it will hurt. So they, they're just stuck. Wow. Like I have to move, but if I move, it will be painfully, you know, with, with, with money and how do I get out of this place? But if I stay here, I'll suffer. Um, or if I, you know, I want to get a new job, but if I don't get a new job, there's a lot of like stuck feelings. Yeah, I really, really I, I think that. I think a really good story here would be illuminating for your um, for your audience. Uh, who, who, your audience audience are mostly women or men or adults? Women, or moms, young moms, mom. young yeah. moms. Okay. Hmm. Let me see. Let me see if I can come up with like I do a lot of storytelling around what happens for moms and uh, a lot of the story I tell most frequently is um, about a baby who wouldn't sleep and um, mm-hmm. this is so these are moms with babies are those your people yes mm-hmm. moms with babies yeah so this so the, so this story um, the mom came to me uh, she was I was like the last person in a long line of people because her baby wasn't sleeping and she was at her wit's end. It had been four and a half months and the baby hadn't slept. So you can imagine what her brain was like. I mean, oh, yeah, for you sure. don't sleep. Uh, I know you sort of decompensate yourself. She's on the edge. Uh, very much. And I worried. I mean, I could tell. And the, she brought her baby and her baby was four and a half months old and she was the most delightful baby. And she had her arms way out like this, like subsequently uh, for your audiences, they had arms out as opposed to close into the body. And I've learned that that's an indicator often of fascial constraint. Now I work a lot with fascia in the body and with babies. So when I listened to the mom, she told me her birth story and this was a very wanted baby. And so she was uh, by chance all alone when her water broke, she was 37 weeks. This is a very common pattern, premature rupture of membranes. And it really uh, is a, one of the patterns that's the most difficult because we don't know why the rupture of the membranes and the often labor doesn't start. And so, you know, she, and the hospitals have policies about that kind of thing. So uh, when, when she went into the hospital, her parent, her, her husband was not in the town and she ended up in the hospital by herself. She was with a doctor that was scared. Uh, and cause he, he, and he also didn't communicate well. So she was scared. He was scared and she didn't start labor. So they put her on Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have had Pitocin know how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, so the Pitocin started and she did not want any intervention at all. So she began to resist. Of course, you're there with these intense contractions. And 
uh, her labor wasn't progressing. So her doctor threatened her with a C-section. She said, if you do not, you know, get an epidural and push the baby out, then we're, you know, he threatened her. So she felt even further threatened. And as she was telling me the story, she would stop periodically and she would just cry and cry and cry. And I would, I put my hands on her. It's how I work with families. I put my hand on her back, really slowed my own tempo in my body, was beginning to really self-regulate, acknowledging the trouble. Yes, that was really difficult. Oh my God, that's horrible. And really being with her in her pattern. And she told the rest of her story. She did get an epidural. She did dilate. The baby was born. Um, and the baby had to be put under the Billy Rubin lights. Also, baby had tongue tie, so you have a separation there, and then you had mm. a, mouth, a mouth revision surgery for the baby, and baby was eating okay, but small and not sleeping. So as she began to tell me the story and cried a lot, I watched the baby, and baby wasn't really saying anything. She wasn't really participating. Some babies will cry during the story. Some babies will tell you their own version of the story. I kept waiting for the baby to say something. Baby didn't say anything. So I said, mom, let's do this. This is the first time I've ever done this first visit because usually I'm pretty cautious, but I was really concerned about this mom. I put the baby belly to belly on the mother's tummy. She, I, I said, why don't you lie down and just and get ready for breastfeeding. Put the baby on her tummy. And I said to the baby, I'm going to support you to, to crawl to breast. Often babies will tell their version of the story as they come to the breast. So then as the baby crawled to the breast, she told us about her version of the story, which was really not crying, not screaming, not whining, but really just na 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 na. I did the same thing with the baby that I did with the mom, which was saying, I hear you. Oh my God, that was awful. That happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. A lot of repair. So there's a lot of repair work for both mom and baby. As baby got to breast, uh, she latched, but she didn't stop telling us about it. No, she asked while she was sucking. And then both mom and baby fell asleep. So then I put my hands around them, both of them, and held them in the craniosacral therapy, which is a deep, slow, subtle, powerful form of therapy that's meant to regulate the nervous system, to allow the nervous system to reorient to its own natural potency. This family got up, woke up, got up, got dressed, went out the door, and I really kind of worried about that mom, and she emailed me the next day, and she said, we did what you said, and we got home, we breastfed, and I had given her the mantra to say to the baby, nighttime is for sleeping, daytime is for emotional expression and play. And she, she repeated that to the baby. And then she put the baby down to sleep about 7.30. Baby slept for till 3.30 a.m. So she got almost eight hours of sleep. Wow. It was the first time since she was born. Whereupon she woke up, breastfed vigorously for 20 minutes and slept three more hours. She, she wrote to me and she said, Kate, I had, first of all, I had no idea how painful the birth was for me emotionally and Thank you so very much for all your all that you've done and all the listening that you did and, and all the help. Like, but I want to ask, like, what was it I did that helped that family sleep? It was that's kind of the, a good illustration of working with the birth. Now, when I'm working with an adult, it's very very similar. Like, they come in and I I hear their intention, I listen for their 
what it is they want for themselves. Sometimes like I had a dad come who was really, uh, had a second baby and was really, uh, and would go, go into rage because the baby would cry. And this is very common. Mm. Like babies cry, parents will go to the edge of their experience and not have the skills to settle or recognize what's going on for the baby. And as we or unpack, <laughs> or right. so as we unpacked what was happening for them, for him, he had to really confront his own history around his own father who was an alcoholic and would rage and his own fear um, as a boy and his own way he dealt with his own fear and then his own perce perception of himself which we use the somatic experiencing we work with states of fear and terror and anger and rage in his body which we were able to move using the technique I described and then we had him connect to who he was spiritually. And, and there was a way that that helped transform his feelings about being an embodied person on earth. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways we adapt the skills that we learn to help people. And the touch work, I think, is vital to heal earliest trauma. But it doesn't always need the early to do that. And so what I'm hearing, because I am also, I'm very aware, like, that I want to respect your time today. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hearing that the most important piece of healing trauma is really getting back to that deep intimacy, that touch, that connection, that safety, that security, and having somebody hold space for you uh, to process a difficult or an adverse life experience, right? In a place. The presence of the person that's with you make, means a lot. Like one of my teachers, Anna Chitty, says, presence plus anything equals transformation. So you really have to work at your own capacity to be present, to be in your body, to be in the present time. It's, it's a practice. And, uh, and it, you don't necessarily have to be a therapist either to be doing these, this work. You could be a parent. You could be a friend, you could be an auntie or grandmother or, or priest or, you know, nurse. You know, if I could have nurses really get it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's a great way to close because, yes, you are a professional and you are very well respected. But I consistently say this because I think socioeconomics and trauma are a real thing. And I consistently empower families and parents to say, we live in the age of information you can teach yourself anything you want to learn. Mm -hmm. You can choose to learn uh, how to heal yourself. It, it, it's so useful if you have somebody to support you. Um, but even if you just get another person in your life to do this work and you'd learn how to hold space for one another, um, it's actually really just about getting back to basics, right? Reteaching ourselves our humanity. Yes. And if, if you could learn also like the, those early, early patterns of feeling welcome and wanted, like you said, mm -hmm. really transforming those early places, um, because often we live in them. We live in them like we're shaped, like those Russian dolls, you know, one doll inside another, inside another. Oh, yeah. and, and, and if we could learn our shape and really get a sense of, what has shaped us and often we don't even see those early times or those ancestral patterns you have to begin to bring more awareness to is this thought pattern i think over and over really a pattern 
from my early times and I can make that smaller and do it have a different choice. And so I teach a little class called the leading edge and that is where you learn that place of making a choice to think or do something differently. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate your time. You and I are going to connect again and try to focus on different aspects of the work that you do in relationship Please. to healing and trauma. I'm so grateful that we were able to connect today. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, Thank you for your attention too. Uh, I really do appreciate it, Andrea. And please send me your um, link and I'll put it up all over the place where I go. Awesome. So that people, some people can get to know you too. Awesome. Thank it you. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you've had a really good series. So I want people to listen. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. Um, and we will talk very soon. Kate White, uh, thank you so much for coming today.